And we're recording. Oh shit. Oh shit. She up in this bitch. She up in this bitch. For 2022. And if y'all loved me last year, you'll love me now. You'll love me even more now. I'm not medicated. I'm tipsy, but excited to be. And you know what's crazy is I was supposed to be introducing the show and I'm introducing you before the show. <laughs> like, that's how distracting you are right now. Like, I'm loving your energy. Because I'm making faces at you. <laughs> Hi, welcome to get- Already Cancelled with Finn. I'm Finn, your host. And I used to say the host with the least, sometimes the most. Right now, I'm the host who just got home from work because I had work late today. And like, bitch, I didn't get into the house until 8 p.m. And I was supposed to be home at like fucking 6.30. So like, you see where my issues are? You see where my issues are? I mean, fuck them for making you a busy envy. I mean, and you know what? No, I really want to blame the MTA. I really want to blame the I MTA. I mean, isn't that a thing you New Yorkers do all the time anyways? N- New York is a whore of a city and I love her. Okay? Well, who doesn't love a whore? <laughs> also, hi, I'm Finn, your host. Um, If you can't tell, I'm already hot. I'm just letting <laughs> you know, um, during the pre-show... Uh, homie Key and I were talking and I was smoking a bowl like I mean <laughs> we was having a moment it was a whole key um so as you guys know I need to tell y'all the reason of why I am canceled and child I could tell you so many reasons why I am canceled this week um we can start with the exact how much fuck nigga shit I've done <laughs> mm, praise lord saints and ain't um, we can talk about how many fuck niggas I've had to deal with <laughs> that also would make me canceled. Um, we can talk about the fact that I accidentally bought um, shea butter in the raw instead of whipped shea butter because I wasn't I weeding. told you what to do with that. I, I, I told you what to do with that. Listen, okay, look. I prefer whipped shea butter. It's easier to spread. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of things are better whipped. You know, mostly men. Well, mostly cishet men are better whipped. However, shea butter is almost better in the raw because you can mix things with it. And yes, whipped is easier to rub in. But you can do a little, you can get versatile with your raw stuff. But I like it. Like the mix, once it spreads, and then you put on your little Juné Sequoia of scents. It like it. It goes well. You know what I mean? I feel you. I feel you. I mean, I just because you know, I be liking. I be liking to be scentful sometimes. I do. Not scentful. Scentful. Because I. That might be my new favorite word. With a haven't you people ever heard of closing a anyway? Don't because I will start singing and it will be a problem. <laughs> Listen, listen, I was I was at work today and I was and instead of because I normally listen to podcasts, but like something made me in a music mood and you know my playlists are very weird. One minute it'll be like Haley Williams, the next minute it'll be Darius Walker, and the next minute it'll be Mike Posner. You know? I still don't know that I forgive you for your relationship with your dear uncle Darius. I almost called him Uncle Ruckus. Not that kind of party. <laughs> No relation. <laughs> no relation. 
So, who are you? How you been? What's up? What's new? I mean, I think my name is Keisha. You know, um, I've actually, you know, I've been really good. Um, well, you know, plus or minus a few mental health situations. Um, but we are thriving according to somebody's standards, I'm sure. I mean, listen. I say they were mine, but somebody's. Listen, at this point in the game, my standards are only for dating. Okay. <laughs> I have divested myself of cishet men. Ooh, um, you did yourself a favor. I definitely did. If they are not non, um, non-binary or pansexual, I don't fucking want them. No. Do not. I'll, you know what? And I will even... I will. Um, I left our dear trans men out because if TikTok has taught me nothing, it is that I clearly have been getting it wrong by never dating a trans man. Okay, first of all, I'm gonna tell you. I've told people before. I don't believe in fetishizing trans men, right? I don't believe in fetishizing anyone. I'm just going to say, the two most amazing people I have ever dated. One of them was a trans man who taught me patience, who taught me how to love myself, mm. who taught me how to stand up for myself and not have it be loud. Okay. Because I used to be out there being like raging at bitches. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sometimes a bitch needs to be raged at. I mean, Chile, but he taught me how to like really like get my point across without mm-hmm. wanting to without without feeling the need of having to be angry through it. I can fuck with that. I like that. Um, and he taught me some really cool things about history. He was a history nerd. I like history nerds. They're fun. They are. I like nerds. They're fun, usually. When they're not dosed in self. But, you know, yeah. You know, we, we all like nerds. We just want you to wear deodorant when you go to conventions. That's all. And, I don't know, do. brush your teeth and bathe. The bar is so low. It is basement level low. Which is why I had to divest from cishet. I can't do it anymore. Uh, you know what, but I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for, you know... Could you be out here knowing what you want? You know what I mean? But you be knowing what you want as you find and explore the shit that you didn't know that you didn't need. You know, what I realized... That made sense in my head. And halfway in mind, you know, part of it is once I realized I don't necessarily want children, and if I have children, I'll just adopt. What the fuck do I need a cishet for? Didn't you already already help raise like 50, 11 children anyway? I mean, it feels like it, so I've done my part. I'm doing my part now. We so, are just part of the village. Welcome. That's all. That's it. That's it. We are the village people. Not quite. That's a little <laughs> stretch. That's a stretch too far. I don't have the YMCA in me. <laughs> Fun fact about the YMCA, about the YMCA, about the village people. Oh, I only know this because I have um, vinyl. Don't ask me why. Um, only like one or two of them were actually gay. Yeah. 
Like I always or, assumed that or, all or, of them or were gay. something like that. It's no wait, because I know, because I know Randy is definitely gay. Who the fuck is Randy? Randy with the cowboy. Yes, him, and I think the cop. No, was the cop the black guy? I feel like that's pop. That's problematic for cop the black guy. But like, I haven't seen a picture of him, of him. <laughs> have, especially during that time, the seventies. I mean, or it's ever. giving black exploitation. Um, but no, I I haven't seen a picture of what they look like in forever. I just want you to know, I'm not going to do it, but I have the ability to go walk in my bedroom and go get the vinyl right now. Again, we're not going to discuss why I own it, but I, I'm pretty sure only like actual two of them were gay. I don't know, but you know what they did? They gave a voice to uh, some generation, somebody's generation. I don't know. Somebody's true. <laughs> because like, let me tell you, queer baby. Why them are you discos, their way out of the closet? Them discos were child. Child. Those discos were... The one. They... Yo, I would love that. Because the clubs... Listen, I love a good club. You know, a good one. Okay? They make those still? They make good clubs, and they're not all expensive. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then, but you also gotta remember everybody's crowd, niche, and entertainment level is not equal to everyone else's. Or it's not the same well, as everyone that. else's. Like, there's where that. I like a night where I'm gonna hear 2000s hip-hop, 2000s pop, and then, like, trap music at the same time. Like, that's a great I night. I love that. Me. That's wonderful. Like, that sounds me. like a fantastic time. Throw in some Avril Lavigne at some point. Okay? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I want to be able to be in a mosh pit for a minute with I Set My Friends on Fire playing up in that bitch, too. You lost me at mosh pit, but I will let those who enjoy those things enjoy them. Like, but, you know, I know I ain't going to get that in the real world. But I do know that there are certain clubs that kind of come too close to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love dive bars, too. Because a good dive bar, you're going to get half yep. of that, at least. Yep. Especially on karaoke night. That's my favorite time to go. Oh my uh, god, that's my favorite time to go is karaoke night. Uh, my favorite bar is a hole in the wall bar as karaoke on Thursday, Friday, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I've been going to this little shit ass hole in the wall bar for so long that I'm friends with the um, the guy who owns the, the karaoke company um, and the girl who works for him. Um, and like the bar manager and several of the bar bar uh, staff, it's kind of obnoxious and terrible. I mean, we all had a bar that we went to. All I mean, when I was when I was living in Carolina, right? So, um, and some of y'all know my friends, uh, Carbo, Alexi Carbo, right? Or or the Weaves, um, and my friend Alan from Opop, right? Opop. Oh, pop, oh, pop. Uh-huh. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that's another great podcast. A lot of nerds, other people's opinion podcast, nerd shit all day, every day. Um, but I met, I mean, I've known Alon way before then, but like we had a, like a great group that formed out of karaoke night. 
Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, we're all going to come in. You know, we know somebody's going to sing, um, I don't want to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. And then somebody else is going to sing Tiny Dancer. I forgot I don't want to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. Holy shit, I forgot about that song. You know, it makes that song, it brings out a lot of feeling. <laughs> um, we're gonna get sidetracked because I was gonna tell a story. Okay, about so let, yeah, let's get um, let's get into today's meat and potatoes. <laughs> the meat and the potatoes. Yeah, it's gonna be a heavy meal. So like, you want you're gonna want to drink red wine with this, a nice cab. I'm Peach just crown if you're me. <laughs> I mean, you could have you a cran apple if you want, but ooh, that sounds delicious. This apple would be cute. Anyway, thank you, Ocean Spray, for all that you have done for the black community. <laughs> Facts. Facts. We, Because we will not let. We got, like, listen, Ocean Spray has a whole chokehold on our community. Now, that is really, if there was anything that would ever get us um, in bondage or return us to slavery, it would be Ocean Spray. You know what's crazy? Is I can find you know how you like there are certain drinks you should be able to find in every like in every Walmart, every Target, every bodega that you go to, every Valero. Don't go to a Valero; they scare me. Every Valero that I've ever been to, where there was somebody selling drugs. I've never been to a nice Valero, but I know they exist. I feel like whatever language that is, that that's the that's their word for drug dealer. Like anyway, or a nice sheets. You know, you go to a sheets or a Wawa. I like sheets. We don't have Wawa. Now, when I lived in North Carolina, they built a sheet um, between Asheville and Durham. There's okay. a sheet. So I've stopped there several times. Um, but here in Texas, our version of that is Bucky's. And my family would tell you I have a problem with Bucky's because anytime I'm going on a road trip, they know that Keith is stopping at Bucky's and I'm going to get. A barbecue sandwich and yogurt covered pretzels. You know what? My Fighting, mom. It is what it is. I'll never forget that time. My mom. We were we were driving from Carolina to Jersey, and you know how once you get is it Maryland? It's either Maryland or um, Delaware. There's this place called Royal Farms, and oh. my mother makes me stop at Royal Farms. Because she wanted um, their fried chicken. Apparently, it's some good-ass fried chicken. Okay, you know, I'm down for a road trip. But you and, know, what? you know, my fat ass is down to drive on a road trip for food. And you Not know what? You know what? I when I used to be a courier in North Carolina, I used to drive from North Carolina to South Carolina and occasionally to Georgia, um, mm -hmm. almost every day. For every day would be North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia would be sometimes, right? Anyway, and I would always stop at Pilot. I love Pilot. Pilot? Yo. Yes. Pilot is the superior of the long distance truck driver truck stops. Because it's Pilot, Loves, Loves. And Yes. Loves is only okay, but it's, Pilot has a superior food. 
So, Pilot has the superior food. Love's is a great, we did a good job decorating this place. Okay. I'll, I'll support that. I'll support that. You know what I mean? But a pilot, you know that the that the people who are doing their job, that the pilot, they've been doing this shit with attitude for years. No, not the pilot. I like my favorite they went, pilot. I don't mean like I don't mean oh, that they no. were mean. I don't mean that they were mean. I mean like they have they came in there and they said, "Look, I'm here. I am working from eight to four. Mm. All right, I'm." I'm I'm not playing with you people. It's gonna be clean. I don't wanna hear nobody's voice. Now that is true because the bathrooms are always impeccably clean and my food has always been fresh. Yeah. And pro fat kid tip, if you were on a road trip and you were driving through Arkadelphia, uh, Arkansas, there is a pilot on the Arkansas um, side of Texarkana that has the best breakfast pizza. Well, sorry, from the Little Rock side of Arkadelphia. I'm, I mean, you know what? I'm not mad at you for knowing that exact. Very specific. Thing. Yeah, because there's <laughs> very the, specific. Um, there's a there was a pilot that I used to stop at every day in Darlington, South Carolina. Okay, Darlington. I used to stop there every day because it would be, I would have to leave from Raleigh, go to Darlington first. And I would always, and my family always taught me, if you know you're going to be on the road and you see yourself at half a tank, you better fill that bitch up. Yep. So I would stop there and every day, Monday through Friday, there was this girl there and her and I would kind of flirt and she would always give me a free bag of Skittles. Okay. Like, and though that place was clean that place was nice, you know? And then everybody who walked in there, walked in there with respect. Yes, come through quality customers. You know, and then I would drive to Columbia. I would drive to West Columbia, but I'll go through Mm-mm. Columbia and hit the and hit the damned Obama gas station. I'm sorry. This was during 2012. No, hold on. Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah. Why do I know? There's a, no, tell your story. Because I feel like I was at a gas station between Asheville and Charlotte, but on the Charlotte side that had like an Obama gas station. But when I say Obama, I mean, they had a giant mural. They had a giant mural, and then the O had the the O was white on the outline, and inside it had the stars on the bottom in red and white. And then niggas own that, huh? I said some niggas own that. Oh, you know that for sure. You know that for sure. Because when I went in there the two times, I was like, oh, this is a nigga establishment. (laughs) Because you just know. I love us. I love us so much. But dead ass, when I had a when I had a blowout on my tire right in front of that place, them niggas they helped. This a nigga establishment. Cause you know we love our kind, our um, our peoples, and we will help each other out when possible. Exactly. So anyway, we got way far off from the meat and potatoes for today. So the meat and potatoes of today. See, this is why I don't know why you people come back to the podcast sometimes. <laughs> Cause you're amazing. 
And then y'all be asking me questions. I'm like, bitch, I gotta re-listen to my own shit because I'm a mess. And then I'm like, oh. Okay, I didn't see a question. Anyway. <laughs> so today's meat and potatoes. Um, first of all, this is we're gonna be talking about grief and the process of it and it's not a result of grief, it's a what's coming from the grief kind of conversation. Um and we had talked about the, doing this uh, a while ago. <laughs> yeah. We had talked about doing this a while ago, um, after your father passed. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that was, you know, that same year my grand passed. So it was a hard you know, year for us. Yeah. And we lost them at really weird times. Like, I'll explain mm-hmm. why the, the specific date of her and my grandfather like, the way they died, they fucked me up for these dates, okay? Oh, word? We gonna oh, be yeah, fighting. Okay. I'm like, when I see them, we gonna be fighting, okay? Like, it is on sight, bruh. When I become on the sight. ancestor, when I become one of the ancestors, I'm gonna be fighting a few of the other ones, okay? And by that time, it'll be okay, because we gonna be the same age, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Square up, dad. Squally <laughs> screw. I got beef. But, but we are going to be talking about these things. And, you know, one thing I will say, is, uh, the main reason I wanted to wait, I purposely wanted to wait with this one with you, because I felt like you needed to get through a year. Yeah, I did. I did. And I appreciate, I didn't know that. But I'm so thankful that you knew that. I did not know that, but I'm really thankful that you did. Because one thing is, you know, that, and I learned it after my no-no passed. After my poppy passed, I, so he died three days before my birthday. Mm. And... He was the one who always made my birthdays okay. You know what I mean? Because you know how I am. I don't, I didn't really always have great birthdays, but he always made them okay. He, when I was a kid, he would always bring me onion rings from the bar. You know? I love it. So it was, it was kind of like, he, it was weird losing him, not only so close to my birthday, but having to go through an, a, a full year of that after I went to that first year and my birthday came after that it was just like I don't think I can celebrate it really you know mm-hmm. but I think I can understand why my mom always made a big deal about acknowledging people's birthdays you know okay um and once you get to that first year, you start to change. You start to feel different emotions. I feel like around that year, around the marking, you know, shortly thereafter, I, I felt like my grief turned a corner, if that makes sense. It was no longer, it's been this many days, it's been this many days, it's been since I've seen dad or since I talked to him or since he went to the hospital, or, you know, and even, you know, it's been the years since we buried him. It's now we are 
we've grieved. And I think I understand why some cultures you grieve for a year. Because yeah. it really takes you that long to process sometimes. But they don't be grieving this like Southern motherfuckers. They're the different. Okay? Yeah, it might be true. <laughs> because their grieving for that year is a little bit less loud and offensive to everyone else. Well, yeah, because I give zero fucks. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I still don't. But it was something about that that I really felt like, okay, you've had this time to process that he's not coming back. What does moving forward look like for you? And that's something my therapist talked about. You know, she and I talk about the difference between moving on and moving forward. Moving on, you know, well, I still get up and go to work and I still, I take care of the kids. I take little Timmy to football. I take Tommy to basketball and I go to church on Sunday and I cook dinner every night. That's moving on. You know, you continue to live your life but moving forward, I still have things that I want to do, goals that I want to achieve, dreams that I've not yet dreamed of. And moving forward is continuing those things. It is continuing to strive for my goals. It is continuing to achieve um, things that I've wanted to and um you know, it's not just existing because there's a difference between living and existing. When you're moving on, you are just existing. Yep. I don't want to just exist. Yep. I want to live. I want to thrive. I don't get it right every single day. But God damn it, if I'm not going to try. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is we start to move on. We start to go, I call it going on autopilot. Right? Ooh, okay. Talk about it. Um, the after I can remember the exact moment I turned it turned on, which was we were at Poppy's funeral. I took my nephew to the bathroom, and when we came back, we sat down, and I looked, and I was like, "Oh shit." I just got to help. And I don't mean my nephews, because God forbid them children come anywhere near me, I will fight somebody. Um, <laughs> lot of babies. lot of babies, though. But I mean, like, in an emotional sense. Because, like, that little kid, he doesn't, he didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. He's gonna, he didn't know that, like, the last time Poppy held him would be the last time Poppy held him. You know, you know, you know, how like, do you remember you would, as a little kid, you would meet your mom or your aunt's friends or, you know, different family members, associates or whatever. And then you would see them a little bit to the point where your name would be in your head as a kid. Yes. And then as an adult, you see, you know, you're talking with that relative and then you're like, whatever happened to so-and-so? I remember them being around. And then like those kids, you know, and it's a whole different kind of conversation, especially when it's now not, it's not somebody that we just don't associate with. No, this is somebody that we loved, but they are literally no longer able to contact us. I can't fathom as 
you know, the, it's almost like a traumatization. Is that a word? You know, like for them, this is a person that we knew, but they may not be old enough or mature enough even to understand that connection or have that bond. But to you, this is someone that you love that had a great impact on their life. And, you know, we don't think about that when we communicate with people or, you know, the friend of someone we know passes away or, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? She died. We look at things in a tertiary um, way until, it, until, it's, until it's you. And because was- when you don't think about it's like, that's all I have. I have moments where it's like, it's all I can think about. That's the only thing I think about. There will never be another day where my dad comes walking through another door. Yeah. Will I get up and go to work tomorrow? Absolutely. But that will be a, that will never not be a thought. That will never not be a thought that I have. And you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about it because all of us react or grieve or move mm-hmm. on differently, right? And there are certain people who won't go to work. You know what I mean? There are certain people who won't help take care of the kids. And, you know, one thing that I do love about you is that, like, you not only continue doing what you have to do, Black women are going to do that regardless, you know, um, but you also had a good support system and I saw you being supportive. You know, and that is like one thing that I think that is so interesting, like, because that you, that shows your dad in you. Mm. You know, being able to accept, but also being able to give, but but you will always give more than you are trying to take. I have a, okay, I think I was going to start this early. I have a soft spot. You know, I was a daddy. I'm a daddy's girl. You know, him not being here doesn't change that. I have a soft, I've always had a soft spot for dads, especially black fathers. Because say what you want to about my father and his mental health. Oh, shit, we just went over. Sorry. Not the phone falling. Now, now, we, now you can't cry. <laughs> there we go. You got to fix shit. You can't cry now. <laughs> um, um, for those of who know me, my father's mental health, you know, 20 plus years in the military will fuck anybody's mental health up, but also depression runs in our family. So his mental health was not the greatest um, these last few years. You know, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, it was a hard go these last few years. Um, but you take all of that away, the one thing you would never be able to say about my father is that this was not a man who didn't care about his family. My father was one who would always, and I do mean always, provide for his family in life and in death. And if you even thought you were going to bat an eyelash and say anything about his wife, his kids, and his grandkids, guarantee you would lose some motherfucking meat teeth. So I have a soft spot in my heart for 
black fathers mm-hmm. and losing a parent um this is a pain that i have never experienced and i would only wish this on like trump supporters and maybe even <laughs> only a select handful of them because <laughs> <laughs> don't do this <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh my you know what but but you know it's, it's you know what one thing is so and i had to like it was weird because through the grieving process so my you know my grandparents raised me right and so essentially they were my parents right um but my mom is still alive and i was like Part of that grieving is you do feel like, you know, you are an orphan for a minute. You know what I mean? You have that feel of not having. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and that's something that actually I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, knowing that you were raised by your grandparents, does your mom ever feel some type of way about your grieving process or how you feel about your grandparents? I've, my mom and I have had multiple conversations about this because there's always a different ladder of like how people see things. Um, mm-hmm. She said that, you know, she, she says, you know, I, I want you to know I'm still your mother. I'm still here for you. But if that's how you feel, I'll respect that. And I think she had to respect it only because she wasn't raised by her mother. Her mother is also Mm. still alive, but she was also raised by my grandmother who raised me, my great-grandmother. So, essentially, number one, my mom is either my sister or my niece. I'm not sure, because we were raised by the same bit. Not sister (laughs) or niece. Go away. (laughs) So, I think that's why I be looking at her like this bit. (laughs) <laughs> but, but I just I because I've wondered that you know like my parents raised us you know like there are some issues in all of that amongst myself and my sisters but that doesn't you know change the bond you know what mm-hmm. I mean like and I, I I respect your mom for your mom for being able to be like I mean listen that's who raised you so I get it I can't fathom what that's like to have your child not view you as their parent. Well, you know what's crazy? I didn't really start to view her as my mom until maybe five years ago. Wow. What was the catalyst? Um, honestly, there was a point. Now, actually, it's not even five years ago. I want to say about a good seven years ago. There was a point where she finally saw me as an adult. Mm. Right, um, because my mom had only my mom weighed me up until I was four, and then my grandparents got me, and then Mm. you know my mom came back into my life when I was sixteen, but she wasn't back in my life full time until I was like nineteen. Grown, right? So for a lot of it, it felt like it was that she was looking at me as her child, as a baby, Mm -hmm. and then there was like an advancement of like a teenage from like a baby to like maybe a tween to like a teen. And then now she'd finally accept Like, I think she forced herself to see me grow up in front of her eyes. 
Mm. Which is hard to do when you're not there every day. Right. You know? And then... But I will say this, because she had the most teenage reaction. Like, I was definitely a teen. I must have been, like, 20. And I wasn't living with her, right? I was living with my best friend on the other... No, I was living with my grandmother at that time. So my grandmother lived on the other side of town. And I was... So my grandmother lived, like, in Nightdale, on the east side of Raleigh, right? Mm-hmm. I was partying in North Raleigh the night before. Okay? Didn't realize... We didn't leave the party until, like, 7 a.m. I was too wasted to go all the way home. As so, you might be partying till 7 a.m. So I got me a cab and I took the cab to my mom's house, which was in between North Raleigh and the east side. My mom, I had a key. I walk in, I go to sleep in my nephew's bed. My, I wake up, my mom is bringing the nephew in from school. And she said, <laughs> oh, you were drinking? And I said, yeah. She said, we're going to have a talk later. And then that was it. And then I had to babysit a child for like three months after that. I was 20. There was a lot happening. See, fuck <laughs> out of here with that shit. <laughs> I cannot enunciate how much of a shit idea and situation that is. I would burn somebody's house to the motherfucking me ground. Three months? Ooh, child. But you know what? Not for nothing. No, thank you. Not for nothing. I think that's part of why my nephew became my homeboy. Mm. And it's funny because I'm, when it comes to grief, I'm worrying more about him than I do about me sometimes. That's why I think when I talk to my mom, I always talk about him more. Or I want to talk about him more. Um, because I got to see my great-grandparents growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, and I lived with them. And so he moved into, he moved into the house with them, him and my mom, when they, when he was, I want to say eight. I want to say eight years old. And so from age eight to like he's now about to be 13 no he's about to be 14 in six years he's seen three deaths hate it you know and i wonder what his grieving process is like because like as an adult fair question as an adult i can I can understand why I'm grieving and I can understand why I do the things I do and I can understand why I have very weird issues with listening to The Gift by Beyonce and it's, it's, it's always like I understand why but him as a kid like does he get it like does he does he miss them the way that you know, I miss them. Does he miss them the way? I think, I don't think we give children, you know, enough credit sometimes. How old is he? He's about to be 14 this month. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. Maybe, you know, I think it's, you know, obviously dependent upon the, the quality of the relationship that they had. Um, but, well, no, you said he's 14. So I think, it, you know, depending upon, like I said, the quality of the relationship, absolutely he's grieving. He's going to have his own grieving process. And I think sometimes, you know, it becomes easier to focus on other people and helping them through their grief than it is to focus on our own. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure he's okay. Is yeah. he doing all right? Because then maybe you don't have to think about how you may be feeling or how you may be handling things. Because I do the same thing with my nephew. Well, at least I did. And, you know, and I now see them doing that to us. Yeah. Are you okay? You know, you doing all right, Keisha? You know, well, you know, baby, auntie's going to be fine, but how are you? Oh, I'm good. Mm, are you though? Are you no. though? Are you though? And these kids, look, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe, maybe we were raised weird because I, I was a very vocal child. And mm. I see a lot of children, and it's not just like, sometimes I'll be like, is y'all not talking? Like, it's not just my nephew, you know, going through shit. It's, a lot of children they don't they're yeah. not as talkative as my friends were as i was as my cousins were well because i think part of that is you know and this is my soapbox moment part of that is because we've got social media and we spend so much time on social media we um some of us you know me being 40, um, or are of a generation where we were one of the last kids to grow up without the internet. You know, we didn't have our first computer in our home until I was, I think I was 13, 14. And even then, the internet was in its infancy, if you, especially when you consider where we are now. Because we had dial-up. So, because we had dial-up, okay? We was, we was waiting. That sound... The wild, of, wild west. That sound is part of the reason why I need hearing aid. Part of it. Okay? <laughs> but, and it's funny because... It's, but, it, it, but it's like communication is a very big thing. And it was always a very big thing in our family. Even if it wasn't done properly... I mean, what is mm -hmm. properly, but if it, even if it wasn't done in a safe zone kind of manner, you know what I mean? You know, like we was a very loud family. Um, See, we were the opposite, you know, like we were loud, but, you know, I would joke, this is so terrible, um, that we didn't really communicate unless you were, we were super pissed or happy. There was no in no between. middle ground. There's none. So these niggas is either in a good fucking mood or it is nigga. I'm torching your shit tonight. We had no middle ground, and I think that is part of the reason why my sisters and I have gone to therapy. You know, we've had these long conversations with mom and even dad before he passed, and so like we are much better about communicating. Um, I am more vocal and open about my mental health issues with my family. So I'm able to have conversations with them that I would not have had 15 years ago. Right. But that's us. They were raised in our toxicity. They don't know how to communicate. And that's on us. 
And so now we can't be like at 21 and 23. Nigga, I wish you would talk to me. You know, it's been a hard year for everybody. We're all struggling. We're all really sad. And it, and I have days where I just want to lay in my bed and cry. But I want to know if you have days like that. And you know what's crazy is that I let my nephews know this. I let my nephews know you can call me any time. Because one thing I wish, I wish is, or I hope, yeah, that's a better word. I hope um, they see is that I'm I'm here for them mm-hmm. because we don't. Sometimes we don't realize who's there for us until way later. Oh, that is so true. You know what I mean? Like, and that also is part of me realizing that through grief as well. But you know, you, we sometimes you want them to be able to understand that while they're still young. Because a lot of kids sometimes, I mean, I remember growing up, I would stomp through the house and feel like my grandparents did not understand me at all. And you know what? They didn't. They were they were were alive during Hitler. Like, they don't understand me. You have the audacity (laughs) to be stomping your little broke ass through that goddamn house making all this noise. You know what I'm saying? Like, my grandmother was born the same year as Martin Luther King Jr. Like, this woman seen some shit. seen some shit. Right. So, like, my ass stomping through the house. Yeah, we didn't understand each other. You know what? Of course I blasted Simple Plan Perfect loudly, often. Oh, so Simple Plan... So your Simple Plan Perfect was... My Enter Sandman by Metallica. Oh, Ooh, I see it. I think those first two, those first first few notes, my sister would just and then leave my room. But any Metallica on repeat at between the ages of fourteen and definitely like sixteen, seventeen. Oh yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I remember I went through my whole like. So losing my religion would often played in the house oh, whenever my grandparents. Yes. So I would. Yes. So my grandparents had these friends who were very Christian, like very, very Christian. And my grandparents were like Catholic and Lutheran light. You know what I mean? Like they were out there drinking, drinking. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, nah, we was straight up nigga Baptist. Like we wasn't, you know, and like, but whenever the friends would come over, my grandparents loved them, doted on them, you know, and these people, they let me know they was homophobic very fast. So one day I blasted losing my religion, came out of my room wearing a crop top. And this woman said, this woman said, oh dear. And I'm like, I don't know why my grandparents like y'all. And then my grandfather just looked at me and said, thank you. Those are your grandmother's people. Nice. My grandmother was a mess. But my grandfather would like, look, we gonna get through this. But then he would also be like, nah, you an asshole. Fuck you. We. My dad was, was such a nigga. I remember we were at eight. I already told you I'm 40. We were at Tower Records um, in the Great Vine Mills Mall. And 
bare naked ladies had just come out um, with their CD. And I was like, Dad, I need this bare naked ladies CD. Can you buy it? The look, my dad was horrified. <laughs> it was, there was another black man standing nearby. He just looked at the black man and looked at me. And he was like, I don't know. And he goes, I don't know what she listens to anymore. <laughs> That's fine. But my nigga, is you buying this CD? Oh, shit. Or no. I love it, though. Because, like, dead ass. Like, dead ass. The, that was kind of the cool thing about, like, being able to... Listen, my grandparents love Tony Bennett. I love Tony Bennett. They love I Sinatra. Love you know what I'm saying? And Some Billie Holiday. Okay, yeah. You got to remember, Italian and bed It's a whole lot happening, right? So, <laughs> a whole lot happening. And so, like, I'll never forget we were in Best Buy. Do you remember when Best Buy had like the really big like music section? Yes. Okay. Fall Out Boy had just sold, like had just dropped like their first official album in Best Buy. And I instantly went to rock and like my grandfather was like, this, so this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> It's better than that rap crap and just bust a CD. Oh, they wasn't uh, a fan I'll of that. I listened to that too. No, they, that, that rap crap? Oh, these old people. Oh, no. So, you know, daddy. So, for, for reference for this, for this next point, crowd, I got my tongue fucked off. Um, daddy would have been 60. One this May. So daddy was still kind of young in the 80s. And my daddy was an 80s rap head. L Cool J. Um, oh, oh, God. Shit. I knew all of the words to Rapper's Delight before I even ever officially heard the song. And then he went through a period of like my teens and 20s where, you know, Rap was garbage because, you know, the advent of gangster rap, you know. And then somewhere around me being grown, he decided rap was okay again. But he can't listen to none of the shit we're telling him to listen to. Mm. No, no. But my man's was listening to Ja Rule. I was like, Dad, don't do this. Don't what? do this. Yeah, listen. <laughs> I was so mad. But my nephew, he said that he came home from work one day and I think he said, Kendrick was on the radio and dad was just minding his business in the kitchen cooking singing along to the song and he was like Ripa what you know about this and my dad was like oh say less my dad turned into a whole ass nigga he listened to everything ASAP Rocky um, some of these little mumble rappers I don't know fuck all about and I was like alright dad you know, let me just stop listening the, to Ja Rule we'll be alright the only time my grandmother and it's crazy so my grandmother only liked two of the modern era artists. <laughs> okay. Only two. Only two. And can you guess which two they are? Let's see. And you said they were listening to Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. And Billie Holiday. And Amy Winehouse. 
No. No. Mm. I got nothing. Beyonce and Rihanna. Okay, you know what? I will allow it. I will Those allow it. Those were the only two modern era like artists that my grandparents liked. And whenever my grandmother would hear a song, at first she wouldn't know it was them. This is how you know they're old people. She would be like, what are they saying, these young folks? I'm like, grandmother, it's Beyonce. She's like, oh, I love it. Exactly. My my family, uh, especially on my dad's side, subscribes to toxic masculinity quite a bit. And one of my cousins, she said, anytime she thinks of dad, she listens to um, Love on Top. She said, my dad was up there visiting one day. And they were down in their basement listening to music. And, they, you know, she's just shuffling through her music. And Love on Top comes on. And Dad was like, oh, I like this song. I like this song a whole lot. And she was like, Uncle Kenny, don't tell nobody else. And I was like, first off, bitch, <laughs> you don't tell my daddy what he can listen to. But my dad loved him some Beyonce. Really, he only thought was okay. But he fucked with Beyonce heavy. And I'm like, all right, old man. You can have I, that. You know, it, it is, it, but it's interesting because... We hear, like, look, I think of, like, when I hear Love on Top, I always think of family functions, me hanging out with my grandparents. You know what I mean? Um, I can hear, I can hear Man Down and have, and I can remember my grandparents being like, what are they talking about? Oh, she killed a man? Wait a minute. Okay, cool. Like, I can remember my grandmother's whole mm. face reaction to the whole song. You know what I mean? And her being like, I can, I like this. This is fun. And, like... But then I also remember her badly singing along to her the old school shit. I mean, badly. Like, people think I can't okay? sing. People think I cannot sing. My grandmother could not sing. Could not sing. <laughs> I love this woman. But she could not sing. I would I would like to see your grandmother who can't sing and raise you a father who has to as far as to my knowledge has been the only man to ever be asked to not sing in the Tristone Missionary Baptist Church Men's Choir. You know a men's choir. A church men's choir will take any man. (laughs) Brother, can you breathe? Come on in the choir. Yo. They were getting that, that poor choir director turned to my dad and he said, Brother Blocker, we appreciate your enthusiasm and your love for the Lord. We're going to have to ask you to sit this one out. Hurt my poor daddy feelings. That man couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it. And then, and then had the audacity to tell us we can't sing. Bitch, I know I got it from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, hello. <laughs> you did a whole copy paste on my face. You think I know I can't sing worth a damn? I, Fuck out of here, bro. I, I it's know. funny though. Because like, as as like we process through their deaths and as we like, you know, we reconnect with certain family members or we try to form a different bond with family members who mm-hmm. are always around already. Because we are redeveloping our relationship without that person there, right? This is absolutely true. And then, so you find yourself with other relatives at family functions, and you hear relatives start to say, you remind me of, you know, your parent or your grandparent or, you know what I mean? And then you're like, flashed back to them all over again. 
you know, or like my, like one time my cousin said, I have my grandmother's mannerisms. And I was like, well, first of all, that lets me know I'm a bougie bitch. <laughs> Listen, she knew who she was, okay? She knew who she was. But it lets me know that I'm a bougie bitch, but it also lets me know that, like, I feel like, you know, I learned something from her because she was very much about um, how to interact with other people. Mm, okay. She was very much about how she, you know, how she presented herself when she left the house. And I, and, it, and, I, and I think I saw it for her, it was more of a confidence booster. It wasn't about the opinions of others. As it should be. Because homegirl knew she was a bad bitch. You know what I'm saying? She knew she was a bad bitch. She had niggas fawning over her back in the day. I like that energy. She always had a job or her own business. Like, she knew who she was. And she also knew her place in our family. Because she created that space for herself. Mm. So, you know, it's funny. It's like... But that's one thing that I think is interesting when we see ourselves, like, when we lose a relative, we start to realize that, like, they had a very particular role in your family. Mm-hmm. You know? And it wasn't just being your parent. Right. You know? So my question for you is, do you... Did you or have you experienced knowing there was a role that they played and feeling like for some of them, for some of the remaining family, you were just around for what you felt like you could get? Oh, listen, I learned my place in the family because I saw my grandparent place in the family. Mm. Um. I was the youngest. I mean, I was the youngest and the most unplanned child in this entire family. I mean, the most unplanned child in this entire family. Mm, Hennessy must have got good to somebody one night. <laughs> My grandparents always took care of everyone, right? They always provided a safe space for everyone, whether it was physical, physical, let's be real. I mean, financial, maybe. They weren't the most, my grandparents weren't the most emotional when it came to like creating space, safe spaces like that in our family. But uh-huh. you could still talk to them. You know, they didn't understand the whole concept of mental health, but you could have a conversation with them. Okay. I mean, they might throw money at it sometimes, but you could have a conversation. You know, hey, if you throw money at it sometimes, maybe I can check your cheese about it. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, that's it. So, um, but it was just like, okay, but at the sake of being real, and I mean, you guys already know my mother had been on the podcast before. Like, I would raise, my mom was an addict, right? So my mom didn't raise mm-hmm. me. Um, or my mom is a recovered addict. It's not your, as the, as 
you're supposed to properly say because you're never recovered, you're recovering. Mm -hmm. So you're a recovered addict. You were you are not were an addict anyway. I'm trying to I hope that sounded correct. I hope that sounded understandable. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So my mom didn't raise me, but she already relied on my grandparents. She already relied on my grandparents. They raised her kids. They gave her money when she needed it. When she would get sober for a minute, they would get her an apartment. You know what I mean? Damn. So my mom was always relied on her, on my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, my mom's mother, same way. Right? So because of that, it's like I knew I was the last one. Like, even my brother being in need comes before me because he's older than me. But I always knew that, that I was the one who was needed. Because my grandparents, they relied on me way too much. I mean, when you have, when all of your adult children don't take care of you and you have a nine-year-old who has to help take care of you because neither one of you can really move around but so much or take care of the property that you have without you having to pay people to do it yikes you know and don't get me wrong it i'm glad i had that but it teaches you your place in your family i mean you have your place in you have helped raise your nephews Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you are living in a house with your godson, right? Which, don't ever leave because that child, that baby needs you. We're going to have a private conversation about where he currently is right now after we stop recording. I oh, child. I was... Oh, child. Oh, this, I'm ready for this conversation anyway. But you have a place in your family. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You weren't just your father's daughter. You were one of your father's children. You were one of your father's family members. You were one of your father's responsibility, whether or not they were actually supposed to be his responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one thing we, and that's what we start discovering about our families, especially about our elders. As, as we get older, whether they have passed away or whether or not they're alive. Like I found out so many secrets about my grandmother when she was alive alive let me tell you the shit that came out after she was dead everybody's expecting me to be shocked i was like babe you forgot i saw some other shit in person out of eye i'm super thankful we didn't have that experience because you know like there are small things you know came out after he passed but it was like okay well you know dad was a nigga i expected that kind of shit but there was never been anything that was just like pearl clutching, you know what I'm saying? Shocking or whatever. Um, here's the question, because here's a question for, for other people. As you guys know, as you and the audience know, I, again, I will gladly tell y'all, I did not come from a normal childhood <laughs> as I unpack things. But do you feel like it's a better thing to not have to have gone through wild shit that like some of us have realized is wild 
like a pearl clutching moment like would you have wanted one of those no no and i and was and the reason why is because one of his sisters i say that very deliberately we've talked about her um tried to sow discord and spread lies after my father passed um you you and to this day it's been over a year and she has not oh i'm so sorry about your dad nothing yeah. she hasn't said anything not a word to myself my mother which she's never like my mom so it is what it is or my youngest sister and what few things she had to say to my older sister were extremely unkind and one of the things was a flat out she tried to imply that my father has a child that we don't know about to know my dad was to know that he grew up without his father not having his father is what made him the father that he was there is no way that there's a child walking this earth a human walking this earth with my father's dna that he kept a secret never would have happened i mean um, i can't say anything um all of my daddy's children were all in the light <laughs> but you know like all we all know about each other except for maybe i heard some rumors but we all know about each other because it's like you know there was you know what this is my business I, i'm not gonna say that there are reasons why we know that my dad would have never done that and and you her um Oh, and she also let it be known on social media to not tag any, like for people not to tag her or tell her or say a word to her about my father's funeral service on Facebook or otherwise, or they were just getting cursed out. But she loves to post pictures of my dad. She loves to post, um, woe is me. Oh, I miss my brother. Um, post about my dad. Okay, hold on. Can we talk? Can we talk real fast? As I said this earlier about this American Southern grieving shit. That look. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Listen. I, listen. Come on. Let's listen. Do it. Growing up, I have been to all kinds of funerals. Okay. I have been to. Uh, I have been to funerals. I have been to wakes. I have been to repasses. I have been to whatever you want to call it. Okay, I have mm -hmm. sat on boxes, I have seen mirrors covered up, I have seen people dancing, I have seen people lighting firecrackers, I have seen it all, okay? Which is probably why I need to sleep. Okay, they, so I, still, I still think I'm dancing. I danced at a lot of them bitches. <laughs> a lot, my legs is tired. Anyway, but it's like, there's something about how other cultures that I've seen grieve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we go to our funerals, we go to our repasses, everything, right? And we go in, we do what we do, we let it all out, we have fun with it, and then we go. You know what I mean? And then we decompress over time. Which is what my family has done. And then, yeah, there's this, and then there's this thing that I only have ever seen 
in the South. I'm sure it's a thing in the North. I'm pretty sure it's a thing here. But you know what? No one I know had done this shit. So maybe I've been... It's a Western thing. But for some reason, bitches be dragging out the death of a loved one from here to kingdom come. Every day, it's a different picture of the nigga who died. Okay? Mm -hmm. Every day, it is, I don't know how I'm going to move on, blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong, I get it. I definitely get it. But if it had been, if it had been like a good 18 months, you don't need to keep posting this. So that goes back to the different, like how I said my therapist and I talked about the difference between moving on and moving forward. Those people have just moved on. They've not moved forward. Like, still, every day feels like, like I, will, I will admit that like it feels like yesterday and a thousand years ago all at the same time. Yeah. For those people, it's yesterday every day. And don't get me wrong, I still find myself speaking of my grandmother in um, present terms. Mm -hmm. Still with my grandfather. And I know that that's the thing that I am going to decomp... Um, I'm, I'm going to... It's going to change over time because there are moments where I definitely do say past tense instead of present tense. I still... Um... I catch myself sometimes going to text my dad, like when cool shit happens. Um, I, I, I think about texting him, something breaks. Um, like I need the brakes done on my car. And, and I was like, I ain't paying these niggas to do shit. I'm just gonna call my daddy. And like, and it was that fast. Yeah. It's that fast. And it's just like, but I can't take it out on the rest of the world. I can't force the rest of the world to have to deal with my grieving, right? You my um, um, my theory about people who behave that way. You only behave that way because you have um, guilt about the way you treated that person when they were living, and now they are dead, and there's nothing you can do. You can't take anything you said back. You can't ask Ooh. for forgiveness for things that you've done. That's why when you go to funerals, you know, and you see all that hooping and hollering and, and laying on the casket and all that wailing, that's bullshit. And it's bullshit because you know you didn't do right by that person. You thought you had time to fix it or beg for forgiveness or do whatever. And now it's too goddamn late. Ooh, and you fair. are dealing with your emotions. And because you are too um immature irresponsible reckless emotionally immature i don't know what the correct phrase and the terminology is i mean we we are not trained psychologists or therapists i just want you to know that we do not have psychology degrees this is all just personal opinion and i absolutely accept that i may be wrong um but because you know you don't have the ability to take responsibility for your actions, accountability for your actions, or admit that you were even wrong, that maybe you should ask for forgiveness, you're riddled with guilt. And that's why you respond the way that you do. That's fair. Because not for nothing, 
it's easier when you make peace with the concept of them dying. Because making peace with yes. them dying and then grieving are two different things. Woo! Talk about it. Okay? And because I made peace with my poppy dying when I was told he was dying. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we had a... Not for nothing, I'm so glad he got to see me grow up. I'm so glad he got to see me grow up because I remember him wanting to murder me regularly. <laughs> okay? To the That's point where it came to fisticuffs a couple of times. And now imagine a 65-year-old man fighting a 12-year-old. It was a thing. And then that same man fighting when I turned fucking 15. We was in the kitchen, ready to go. And then I realized he was stronger than me. <laughs> that grown man strength is a real thing, my <laughs> That man was a boxer for too long. And oh, he was going to clean your clocks. He, he was going to clean my clock. And like, so what did I do? I ran out the back door, jumped off the porch. What did he try to do? ran after me and tried to jump off the porch and broke his wrist. Oh, no. So after that, we understood each other. (laughs) 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 You know, there's a thing, um, and it's funny because men, there's this old joke about the culture of men, and they say, you know, every guy had that, that he said, this is the year I'm going to fight my father. Mm. You know what I mean? Every man had that. And when I when I identified as a cisgendered male, never a cis het though, because who wants to be heterosexual? The ghetto. It, it's <laughs> the ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> Grow up. Be an adult. <laughs> yeah, dabble in the spectrum of your sexuality. Okay. <laughs> you can be more than just a Kenzie scale. But it's but like not for nothing, when I identified as a guy, my grandfather, like, I knew that the year I was going to fight my grandfather was when I was 15. Like, I felt it. I felt it. I felt it needed to happen. But that helped form our relationship even better because it was like, look, neither one of us is shit. <laughs> <laughs> we have to learn to get along, nigga. You know what I mean? Like, That's- we have to- we have to learn to get along. Like, don't get me wrong, I was still going through my teenage hormonal bullshit, and he was going through his crotchety old man shit. That crotchety old man. Listen, he could drink you under a table, but he would do it with an attitude. Okay? But it would be like, because of those times and we and like how those emotions and the and the thoughts that were also heightened mm-hmm. as i got older and him wanting to murder me subsided over time thankfully it was a great like we had a great relationship again because i like not for nothing i was his baby according to everyone i was his baby you couldn't tell him nothing my nephews. <laughs> the joke was always, he would, you know, call my mom. He'd be mad at them. He's like, let me tell you about your son. And she's like, I don't have sons. I have grandsons. 
Those were his kids. My sister just gave birth to him. Yep. Yep. And like I was, I was, you know, his baby. And so like it was always easier when like bad things came to happen to him when he started to get older and like when he started to get sick because like I had finally realized that like I felt part of me felt like I would paid him for all that he's done for me Mm -hmm. um and then another part of that feels like in repaying him I'm showing him that I'm able to be an adult and I'm showing that I'm able to function and move on and move forward and try to be a better person. And I think like that, I feel like that's why I can accept that he's gone. Now the grieving part about it is different. Yes, absolutely. Well, because you know, my therapist, shout out to her, um, she says that grieving is for you, not them. They're already gone. Right. So that grief, that is your process. That's why there's no right or wrong way to do it. You grieve in the way that is best for you. As long as you're not hurting anybody and you're grieving in a healthy manner, work your process. Yeah. You know, um, I, now here's what's funny. As I say this, you're going to understand why I am so even more of a Beyonce fan than like I sometimes appear to be. Hmm. <laughs> so my, do you remember when um, Beyonce dropped the gift on, a, on Disney Plus? Barely. So it was July. 31st. So I was dog sitting for my friend in Bushwick. And I was staying at her place that weekend. That on my way there from work, because I went there straight from work, my mom sent me a text and said, um, let me know when you get home from work. I need to call you. Mm. And my mom is very good about that. She always does. She she texted me before she called me. She let me know I need to sit down. That is actually good parenting. Say what you will. Text your kid before you tell them something traumatic. Or forewarn your kids. Hey, there's something bad. You know, something sad happened. I just want you to be prepared as I explain this to you. And let me know if you have any questions. You know, and so I'm so I get there and I have like maybe a good two hours before the gifts like with a like I was gonna watch it because you I'm a kid of I'm a kid of the late nineties early two thousands we watch music videos on Friday night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, um, and it was always after eight o'clock. Always after eight o'clock. Because what did I have to do before eight o'clock? I had to eat dinner with the family and watch Jeopardy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Um, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Yes, and why do they always come on at the same time for 5,000 years? Oh, people like routines. That that part. That part. But so because of that, um, like that happened, you know, I was like, okay, I have a couple of hours before I start watching it. I'm going to feed the dog, walk the dog, and then we're going to the house. And like while I'm sitting outside and I'm smoking a cigarette, I call my mom. I call my mom and I just ask her who died. And she told me my grandmother. And I just kind of, okay, I was peaceful. Mm. When I tell you I cried like a baby when they told me that they were dying. Because now I got to think about, well, how long do they have? How long do I get to, like, until I can't see them anymore, until I can't hear their voice anymore, so they're not just a, a topic in the back of my head or a picture in my room? Ooh, okay. And, you know, there was a point because you remember, I told you my story about, like, how 2020 was a wild one for me. Yes. You know, I, like, it's like, the way that I saw 2020 happen was grandma got sick, then COVID. Then grandma died the same day Beyonce gave me the gift. It was all very, it was a lot happening in a few That's a lot, friend. That is a lot, like, in that order. Like, like from March to July, I did not know what was going on. That's when I went on autopilot. That's when I went on autopilot. And then when she actually died, I watched the gift and I felt okay. And I was singing Mm. the song and there was a dog laying on me. Hmm. You know, it's, the the grieving and it's like grieving and acceptance is so different it's so different but that's why i have a weird thing about the whole five stages of grief because they tell you right oh these are the stages and you're gonna go through them but what they don't tell you is that some weeks you're gonna go through all of them some days you're going to go through all of them in the same goddamn day. They don't tell you that shit. They don't tell you that um, you may spend six months a year on part of it. They don't, you know, well, I mean, maybe they do. I have no fucking clue. Um, but it feels like the part of, a, of acceptance in it, that fifth part of it, it feels like it's always supposed to be at the end. Like, they always try to say, well, this is the end of it. This is when you actually accept it. And I'm like, is it? No. I think acceptance sometimes, I think. And do you mean acceptance of their absence or the acceptance of the end of my grief? Oh, because if it's acceptance of the end of my grief, well, then, bitch, sign me the fuck up because I haven't got there yet. 
Now, if it's acceptance of the absence, that's another story. It's a different conversation altogether. We could do four hours on that, I'm sure. Because let me tell you, them, listen, <laughs> <laughs> them bitches, not only is they gone, gone, okay? I didn't ask for them to be this far gone when I was younger. So I had to be like, oh, I was prepared. I was preparing myself because as the child me, you know, the teenage you that's like, I don't, I hate my mom. I hate my dad. Yes. And and then like adult Every terrible thought you ever had, every terrible thing you've ever said, you know, the things that you said that you can't take back, or here's one that nobody talks about. The things that you still want them to apologize for. Oh, honey, I knew I was never getting that. I mean, <laughs> you know, on a level, you know, they're never going to apologize. You know, this is, this is the parent, parents don't apologize, you know, at least you know, in our family. Um, but it's all of the things that are broken that can now never be fixed. It's the, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you said these things. And I, I want to talk to you about it. And now I can never say these things to you. It's the, we had plans to do things. How do you mourn plans that, or how do you mourn experiences you've never had? Well, I will say this. And it's going to sound very roundabout how I'm going to get here, but understand that it's, I got to, uh, it's going to be a point to this. So, you know, I pretty much raised in the house by myself with just my grandparents, mm-hmm. right? Um, my mom would occasionally get locked up. My brother would occasionally get locked up. And they would both write letters Hmm. to me and always make the grand promises. Mm. Right? Now, mind you, I barely knew them. But they're my mom and my brother, so I had more hope in the world than anything. Every plan that was, that never followed through, every, you know, unfulfilled promise, every word that was said in a certain way, and, and no one really cared. Mm-hmm. Um, it was remembered. It was understood. It was accepted. So it was easier when I knew that I didn't come from a family that apologized well. Don't get me wrong. Again, we will communicate. We just don't communicate in a healthy manner, which is why Mm. me and my mama are both still in therapy. Okay? And no, not together, because I refuse to do therapy with my mother. (laughs) <laughs> she doesn't need to know what I did, you know, that summer of 2015. It's still a secret. It's fine. It's still a secret. We don't, 
there are still some things she does not know about, and I was supposed to tell her during my Christmas vacation, but you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait until I'm 30. Or, I'm, hear me out, till never. Just keep it to yourself. I mean, yeah, but here's the thing. I hate secrets in the family. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And here's why. I'm tired of finding out shit. Amen. I'm tired of finding out. Like, listen, my family ain't shit. Like, they know this. They have to know this about themselves. They have to. And I'm pretty sure they all knew this about themselves to an extent. But there are too many secrets that directly affect me that I'm finding out about as an adult. That would make me, how do you feel about that? Because so far, thankfully, none of the family secrets have involved me. It's, um, it makes you smoke. Well, you know, I feel like breathing makes you smoke. So <laughs> it makes you it makes you have to spend a little bit of extra time with your therapist. You know what I mean? Um because reality okay. is because reality is it's like why did I have to have found this out from this person? Why did why is all of this coming out now? Oh like because like not for nothing, I was trying to find out this information years ago. So why is it now that this person is no longer here that it's easier for you to talk about this? Listen. You know? Um, and why Listen. is it and why is it that I know shit that you never told me and you're still uncomfortable talking about? That communication in the black community is a is a motherfucking man, because my God do our communities love a fucking secret? You know, and I don't like that because reality is, number one, when I actually do my ancestry DNA shit, mm-hmm. I would rather me be the one telling them shit about my family instead of them telling me. Okay, yeah. All right, because, listen... This is this is why this is why my sisters need to keep me on speed dial. <laughs> I'm be like, look, there will be no secrets. This one might do this. This one might say this, but this is not happening. Listen, we just got to tell the truth. Because you want your families to be able to. You want your family to be able to when you when you pass away, grieve in peace. Yes. You know, again, the whole, the chance of a, of your father having uh, um, a child, right? Like, you don't, like, that's one of those things where you're like, I don't want that to have to be a surprise, and I don't want that to have to be a believable thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes it also... It makes it easier for when you do decide to write a book. <laughs> You've already 
You've already got your shit lined up. I could be like, you know what? I can write a whole young adult piece of fiction based on this shit. This Probably. way, this way, you can't you can't say I did it because I didn't. So, boom. Well, I mean, just a quick question: if you if you didn't do it, who did? Bitches who are dead. Mm, well, fair. And let me tell you, you want to know the best way to get God? Grow old. Listen, your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> but I have occupied your time for quite some time now. I just, before we get into everything else, I really appreciate having this conversation. Um, it's going to think about things that I've forgotten about or things that I didn't necessarily realize I needed to get off my chest. You got to think about it like this. Every time you discuss your feelings, you find, I feel like every time we discuss our feelings, we're finding out new things within us. Well, we should be at least. Yes, I'll agree. I'll absolutely agree. Well, I think, you know, we as Black people, we have to start having some of these conversations around pain and grief and disappointment and mental health therapy. Like we have to start having these conversations. Yeah. I mean, not to sound like a hotel, but niggas be dying young because they be stressed out because they keeping everything in. And that's that and that's what they want that's what that supremacy wants you to do. They want you to keep everything in so you die oh, young. Oh. Okay. You started- Started off low level hotel and almost Dr. Umar. You all right? I'm just saying, all I'm saying, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, you know, as an alpha male, right? As an alpha male, I'm just saying, we can't be dying out here like this. We got to be keeping all of our females, females. You be thankful that I can't reach to my phone and. (laughs) I can't even take myself seriously trying to sound like that. Have you seen all the TikToks of, of women mocking them? Yes, it is, it is so, it is my new kink. Yes. Well, I mean, hurting the feelings of a cishet is always something that makes me happy. I, I'm at the point where, like, making fun of cishet men, I understand we should not cyberbully. But if my week of cyberbullying Marlena has taught me anything. Hey, Mar. Hey, Madge. Hey, Madge. <laughs> she about to kill one of us. She gonna be up in the group chat. She gonna be up in the group chat like, why the fuck did you call me mad? But, you know, but like, if my week of cyberbullying Madge had taught me anything, <laughs> that, have fun. Just don't, just don't push people to the point of harming themselves. Or make them want to harm you. Exactly. You know? And, like, only do it with people who know, who have the same education level as you. Um, you know, now I'm guilty of trolling. Yeah, don't you, look, that's like Dumb. being, that's like being the fifth grader trying to beat up the first grader. Pick on somebody your own side. But they're Trump supporters. Pick on somebody who had went to a school. They're Trump supporters and they deserve all the smoke. 
pick on somebody who had went through school, who had read, who had read. And doesn't fuck their sister. Fair who enough. had read To Kill a Mockingbird. Because if you didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird in school, we, we, we ain't on the same level. This is true. This is absolutely true. Okay? If you, if you ain't read the last book in the universe, how are you going to understand my feeling on why I am anti-capitalism to the point where I, if, if it killed the earth, it's a problem? Make your money, but don't kill the earth. I mean, if we could just start there, that'd be great. I mean, look, right now, the only rich person we're not eating, the only rich people we're not eating are Beyonce and Rihanna because of her beautiful baby that we have yet to see. Um, That baby's going to be fucking gorgeous. That baby's going to be gorgeous. Um, Adele. No, no, no. No, no, no. Adele. Somebody has to write the depression music post-apocalypse. Right. David Tennant. He has to star oh, in the course. movie. For he has sure. to star in the movie of it. Okay, okay. I support this. Keep going. Keep going. You know what I mean? Um, Daniel Radcliffe. Because he'll play that crazy guy in the movie that we all didn't want to believe, but who was right, and he'll do it in a great way to the point where we respect him as an actor, but we know that that's not him. Ooh, okay, but if he makes me hate him, I'm going to have a problem. And and then Tia Maui and Todd Maui. Yes. Yes, Tia and Taj can stay. That other we don't sibling, don't don't worry. You ain't gotta say you ain't gotta say anything else about. Uh, we know it's adorable. But here's a quick question: Is Taj gay? No, no, I'm not speculating. All I know that if he is, no, 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 speculation. No, I don't know. But if Taj is of a queer sort, all I'm saying is my personal Instagram is um gonna be listed below. <laughs> You know what? I could totally see it because Taj is adorable. I can see you guys walking down the streets of you, New York. Um, it's springtime and you are definitely in a Fenty crop top that's got di- it's diamond crested Fenty crop top. I've, I've decided. And Taj is wearing a matching Fenty t-shirt because he does not like crop tops, but he lets you shine. And he got those <laughs> muscles, so he's showing them all off. He's so adorable. I support this. He just, he, you know, and he's just so, he just chill. He just chill. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about one of my celebrity crushes. I mean, you know, also speaking of celebrity crushes, I have to say this. I have to say this. Um, so I've been watching Letterkenny again. Um, Okay, I will state. And all I'm saying... I think you're going to make me mad. Go ahead. All I'm saying is there are certain people who are gorgeous as fuck um, even though they do not need to be wearing certain wigs. I just want you to think about this. Torzy. Not Shorzy. But a wig. Think about it. Who'd wear a wig in that show? Anita Dick? She probably is wearing a wig. 
What's her husband's name? I, I, my brain. <gasps> Rolled up. Tyler B. Johnson. You know what? So he is the most precious thing. He wears a wig on that show. You know what? Yes, I've seen his um TikTok and his Instagram. He does. Then you know what? Stuart though. Stuart though. He fine. I mean, who listen? I feel like I feel like my polyamorous celebrity lovers understand me. Okay, okay. It's not like I would just marry one of them. Like, who the fuck? I'm a greedy whore. Hey, what do you mean? But you, okay, so I, but, uh, I shouldn't say this out loud, but you know the couple that Riley and Jonesy uh, work out with? Oh, um, uh, yes. Dax and, um, uh, I forgot his name. I forgot his name, but yeah. Oh, no, I'm fine without them. They are problematic. No, I love them. They are so problematic. And they, and like, here's the thing. They wrote them to be problematic. I. Like, but I love how they're, like, a part of the group. But definitely not. But definitely not. But, like, you know, good on them for taking up old Wold on his uh, Valentine's Day desperate offering. He was so desperate. He was so desperate. Oh, you know, well. a lot of characters in this show have threesomes. Um, we're not gonna do this, but for realsies, I love how much they let Katie be a woman who is open and comfortable in her sexuality. Yeah, Katie, I'm with. It's it's McMurray and Miss McMurray that I'm completely turned off. No, I mean, here's, I mean, okay, yes. Because <laughs> if I hear the word snatch or cunt one more time during an episode, I may vomit. And it's not, it's like, we don't mind the word, but from him, we the do. The way he says it, it's so gross. And, it, and it's like, it's like, you know, I understand you and your wife are about the life, but I don't want to be a part of that life if it's you involved. If it's you involved. I would even allow Mrs. McMurray. And you know, I would even allow Bonnie McMurray. But McMurray himself. Okay, now look. Bonnie McMurray. Bonnie McMurray. The ultimate unattainable Canadian hottie for me. Okay. I her with dairy. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cute. But it like would, and it would be better than him going back to that bitch. Yeah. I mean, you know what? All I'm saying, if 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 Jim Dickin can get him a girl. No, fuck that. Jim Dickin Dickskin needs to be with um um Gayler? Yes. Jim Dickskin needs to be with Gail. Okay. Him and Gayler, I like. I love them together. Give it to me. I mean, I'm just at this point in the game, we gotta have Derry get him a good woman. We Bond. need you know, I they're just, they're just, 
We'll see what the next season holds. I don't know. Life is going to happen. Life is going to happen. And I'm just ready. And, you know, I'm prepared for Boxing Day. If it's got to be Boxing Day again, it's going to be Boxing Day. It might be Canada Day next year. I don't know. When is Canada Day? I don't know. Why? Because I went to an American public school. Uh, I was like, that's a thing. Yeah, they have a Canada Day. Oh, who do? You don't. You don't. See, you went to an American public school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely did. Yeah, definitely did. Definitely did. Because guess what I didn't learn about my American public school? Tuskegee. Or the slave rebellions. Or Juneteenth. Or, or Wilmington, North Carolina. Or uh, is it Rosewood? Rosewood. Or let's talk about, or how about Central Park? Or even the Central Park Reservoir? Park shit blew my mind. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. Oh, what about Lake Lanier? Because let me tell you, let me tell you, all I had ever heard about Lake Lanier was that strange things happen. It's like the, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of Georgia. Right? Did not know that that was a whole town. Did not know that that was a whole town that was flooded. Did not know that there are still houses and homes and and memorabilia under the fucking water that people go swimming in. Okay, people go boating on this shit. Your 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 recreation. You're having your recreation on graves. Congratulations. Well, that's like you know. I was doing some research for some you know um, Black History Month content that um, I need to post again um, Facebook, and there was a riot, race riot in Springfield, Illinois, in 1908. Um, won't get into the ins and outs of it, but by the time all was said and done, um, the town's population of Black people, over 2,000 people, were ran away from the town. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? Is what people don't realize. We are on, if every time you go to an amusement park, right? Uh-huh. Every time you drive down the highway every time you are pumping your gas every time you are sleeping do you know how strong of a chance it is that you are on top of an indigenous american grave so high but we don't you know we don't want to think about that because it makes us uncomfortable it hurts our feelings and it's like the thing that were done to the to the people who helped create this place. Because like I don't want to hear Native Americans didn't help create this place. Native Americans, you you wouldn't have this land. You wouldn't know how to apparently plant corn if it wasn't for Native American. So yeah. 
if it wasn't for Native Americans taking care of and loving this land and, and doing what they could because they were thankful for the land for providing for them. Or there's so much and so many nuances that I don't even understand within every different culture within the, the indigenous population. And then there's also the fact that black folk built a fucking white house. Black folks had to take care of your cotton fields. Y'all weren't, y'all weren't just is, our slave owners. Y'all were our captors. Which is why it's always funny to me that white people are so quick to call black people lazy. And it's like, well, the idea of us being lazy came from y'all when we didn't want to work for you for the free. For the free. Anyway, we have gotten so far off topic, child. We have gotten so far off topic. And I know I know it's Black History Month, so I'll be on some shit. But I do want to ask you this before we close out, before we get ready to close out. I do want to ask you this. Do you feel that you're comfortable with your grief at the, at the place that you're at now? Right now, this moment, yes. That could also change in half an hour. Woo! You know, I love an honest answer. You know... A really good friend of me said to me that she's, you know, when I was in the early days of my grief, you know, she said, it's like, it's like your grief is like this, this box, right? And inside this box, there's a button and there's also a ball in this box and some, and your grief is this button. Mm -hmm. Some days the ball is so big. It just sits on that button and it's all you can do is to just breathe through the next moment. Yeah. So the ball is so small, it barely touches the button. Yeah. And I have never heard a more accurate thing in my life. And I'm so thankful and grateful to her for that because I've learned to breathe through the moments when I'm having a big ball day or if I'm having a, and if I'm having a small ball day, I'm thankful for those too. Yeah, because not for nothing, over time it gets easier to deal with, right? Because it goes away. You just learn to maneuver around the pain. Right. And you learn. Yeah. Then, it's but then it stops becoming pain at times. Because I've 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 realized one thing for me at least: it doesn't hurt that they're gone. It sucks, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt. You know what it's I mean? the, you know, like they're just back at like it's like why grief is an us thing and not a them thing. Yeah, you know, we grieve because we love them. We grieve because we're sad. We grieve because we miss them. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, if I see them after I die, squally scooping on sight, Molly whopping right there. That is the right. first going to do, like on. Sight. And let me tell you, now I understand some of y'all would be ready to go and fight, you know, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, blah, 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 That's blah, big. blah, blah. And I get that. I get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, not for nothing. Give me three minutes. I just need to, I can fight three people. Okay? That, I'm going to spend all three with my dad because I got issues. You know, Look. and I will, this will be the last thing I'll say, I guess, before we go, you know, Andrew Garfield um, was on, I think it was 
Stephen Colbert, right? Um, within the last year or so, he'd recently lost his mother. And they were talking about grief. And he said, I want to always feel this way, meaning grieving his mother. He said, you know, these tears, the way that it hurts, this is just unexpressed love <laughs> for the for them. And that was so powerful. So powerful. It is okay that we have moments where we miss them and we cry because we love them. Yeah. I mean, we love them and we miss them. We're going to be okay. We're just having a moment right now. Right. And you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm so thankful again. Like I'm thankful the time I got to spend with them. Mm hmm. But I'm also really cool with like knowing that they are gone. I say that because like they, you know what it is. I'm gonna be real. They prepared me. They prepared. I mean, my entire life prepared me for being able to be okay with them being gone. Because like not like let's be honest, they were old. Them bitches went to school with Jesus. I'm not doing this with you today. Them motherfuckers, them motherfuckers saw Picasso painting. I refuse. Let me tell you how old this bitch was, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you how old this bitch was. When Starry what? Night was painted, you know when Starry Night was painted by Van Gogh? Uh-huh. My grandmother saw him cut off his ear. That's how old this bitch was. Oh my god. My grandfather, when they were talking about when they were talking about the Romans going into Egypt and trying to sloop, sloop with Cleopatra, my grandfather was part of the orgy. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you made my phone fall. <laughs> I ain't shit. I ain't shit. I really ain't. This fool said Papa was part of the orgy. I hate it here. You know, move over, last centurion. Ernesto is here. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, Keisha? Yes, baby. Good old cousin Keisha. I have one final question for you for the night. (laughs) <laughs> yes. It's a very important question. To who? Who is this question important to? To me. I don't give a fuck about y'all bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I am high. I, am, <clears throat> I should not be smoking another bowl. Keisha. Keisha, before I smoke another bowl and then go eat some some Reese's peanut butter cup infused cookies because I had some fun. Yes, I'm a fat ass now. I am a fat ass without a fat ass. That is disrespectful. Uh, it is because I be eating everything and I've been trying to gain weight, but my metabolism and my genetics are saying no, ma'am. Anyway, Keisha, um, again, important question: Why are you canceled? This week. 
I am so excited about this one. This is terrible. So, you know, when you go to funerals and you get like the plants and everything, when dad died, I took two of the plants um, and brought them home where I nurtured them for nearly a year and ultimately ended up um, killing them on accident. Came home from work one day as Bestie's coming in through the door and she was like, you know, we refer to the plants by the people whose funeral we got them from. She's got two from her grandmother's funeral that I call by her grandmother's name and she calls the plants grandma. I refer to my plants as my dad plants. And coming in the house and she was like, I think your dad dead, fool. And I was like, oh shit, not again. <laughs> and that bitch stared at me and it the front for a house in my not again nigga <laughs> you fuck what nobody says and shit was funny you're welcome no not for nothing look I, I I I still make fun of my grandmother's leg I get it mm. I can do it right I've been hit by I, it okay that's I've it I've been hit by it you haven't I can do it not hit by it we're gonna get out of here though that's another story for another day i might save that for like a mother's day a mother's day. you know okay you know what <laughs> again again i if if hell exists because i don't really think it does but that's another conversation again because we ain't gonna get into religion today but if hell exists i have already planned on getting a nice wicker basket We'll ride full, right full of full of enough supplies for a charcuterie board for me to heat up on the way down so I can eat and be full when I arrive. Okay. I mean, I got plans. You know, we can ride together. Yeah. I mean, I'm let's do this. That's right. If it's one thing, I'm gonna feed a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanna thank you for joining me for this. Um, it's been really cool. It's been a really cool time. I'm glad we got to talk about the thing we got to talk about. I'm glad we like got to let things out, and I'm glad we got to laugh during it. But not for nothing, I was gonna laugh at you as you cried. I really was. I expected to cry more, so I'm really glad that that's not what happened. I was gonna be that bitch because you know why? I'm be like, yo, daddy would tell you to stop crying, bitch. Ha ha ha. Probably. <laughs> Minus the bitch part. I mean, oh, you know, that, that, that's my grandmother. Anyway, no, she would call me a bitch. She would call me a bitch. She'd be like, what are you crying for, bitch? And I would be like, ma'am. And she would be like, bitch. <laughs> well. And guess what? At least I'm that bitch. Hey. Hey. Yeah, let me let me get out of here. I'm I need to eat and sleep. It had been a day. I had to take the MTA three times today. I need sleep. Not two. Not two and from work. No. No. To, uh, shit. I took it four times today. Cause I had to take it to work, then to one place, then to back to work, and then home. Four times. Fuck my life. Me and the MTA are gonna have a conversation. Um. Anyway. So this has been a great week. This has been a great, interesting conversation. 
for some reason, I feel like it's gonna be like a either a really long one-parter or two, or like a long enough one-parter that's gonna be I can drop the next episode late by accident. Accidentally on purpose. Accidentally on purpose, or it'll be a two-parter, so that way I don't have to do extra work accidentally on purpose. Um, hey. Hey, but yeah. Thank you. Um, this has been already canceled with fan. I'm trying to get better at reminding y'all what show you're listening to so you understand, like, there's a lot of foolishness happening. Like, this is why I'm canceled. I know why I'm canceled, okay? I know who I am. <laughs> I know who I am, and I know where I live. All right? <laughs> I know where I live. Um, be sure to like the show. Tell your friends about it. I don't know. Follow the Instagram at Finn is canceled on the Instagram. I'm just saying. Um, I do not have a Patreon yet, but if you do want to support people, my 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 Cash App is at Finn is canceled. Some of us need to support a living. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, otherwise, somebody teach me how to do Patreon because bitch, I don't understand things no more. I really don't. Anyway. <laughs> All right, that might get edited out. All right, so <clears throat> thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you with this very important quote. Be good to yourself and each other. <laughs>